This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Today on CityCast Denver, the culture war over gas stoves is coming to a kitchen near you. But maybe not in the way you think. It's Friday and we're talking about that, our nerdy governor's state of the state speech, and all the other local stories that mattered this week. Today is Friday, January 20th, 2023. I'm Paul Caroli and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where you might find rat poison in your Taco Bell. This story bummed me out. Yeah? Did you see that one? I love Taco Bell. You know what got me about it was that um, it took six hours for the guy to eat his Taco Bell after he Why went Why would there. you do that? If he you left eat it six for six hours, hours. If you eat Taco Bell six hours later, like the shredded cheese on a soft taco just basically becomes plastic. The lettuce is gross. The tortilla is usually dried up. That seems like... Well, I'm not going to say his bad on his part, but that's not the rat poison problem. That yeah. part's pretty disturbing. I don't know. I don't know. That was that was that did turn out to be kind of a sad story. We'll put a link to that if <laughs> yeah, you want to learn like more rest, about that. I mean, I hope that guy's okay. He's like able to get some rest and I mean, food poisoning sucks. Yeah. I can't imagine rat poisoning. Yeah. Yuck. Very very yucky. Anyway, you've heard her voice. Our host Bree Davies is here. Bree, welcome. Hi, Paul. Wait, Paul, what do you get at Taco Bell? Uh, they actually have pretty good vegetarian options. They, you get like a black bean. I don't know. I've I've been to Taco Bell, I think, once in my life. You're so Canadian. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't a thing for me. It wasn't a thing for me. Okay, Chipotle guy. Okay. Yep. Um, and we have a great guest this week. He's uh, one of our favorite returning guests. He's a climate and environment reporter for Colorado Public Radio. Sam Brash is back. Welcome back, Sam. Glad to be here. Chicken cl- chicken chalupa. You know, keep it, keep it simple. <laughs> the, the fried tortilla thing is unreal like i don't know what that thing is or if it even ever was a tortilla but i would eat it i would eat a plain and i want to say that taco bell is like out of the category of mexican food like if i want mexican food i'm not going to talk oh bell. yeah you yeah. know what i mean no. like you're going to talk I mean, about go to taco i think bell. the greatest minds of my generation created the doritos locos taco <laughs> you know like that that is where all that brilliance went mm-hmm. my husband was saying the other day uh Taco Bell's commercials are like aimed at 12 year olds. Yeah. And it's exactly true. That is their target <laughs> demographic. Get them young. Get yeah. them young. Well, before we get to our big story, we do have some business to attend to, and it's connected to the Taco Bell conversation because we want to know where the best tacos in Denver are, and specifically street tacos. Because we're doing one of our famous local food battles soon, and we've been putting the call out on the pod and in the newsletter. We got a lot of good recommendations, but we need more because we don't want to miss out on your favorite. So street tacos are like yes. smaller tacos. What are we talking about? Yes. Carne asada, uh, al pastor, that that type of ta- – I mean, there's many different types of them. But we're not talking – what we're not talking about is like what a lot of old Colorado would call a taco, which is like – the hard shell, you can get them at Tamale Kitchen. Mm-hmm. I don't know, probably La Fiesta. We don't want that. We don't want the hard shell taco. We want, I don't want to say authentic. That's not like fair. Like a smaller, like a three bite taco. Yeah, mm-hmm. that are ubiquitous. I mean, they are all over. They come from all over. We have so many styles and types. And I'm so curious about this because I think the taco, the food truck element really weighs in here. 
Because if you have a favorite food truck, you, it might only be in this one spot and like it's your spot and everybody that you know goes there, but nobody else around the city knows about it. Yeah. So we want to know about that. I'm so curious. Yeah. 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 Sam, do you have one of those? Do you have a, a favorite? I do. I live on the west side right at uh, Florida and Federal. And I'm going to say this wrong because my Spanish sucks. It's like Las Post- Potran. What is like horse run? It's like Potranquitas or something express. Hey, Adrian? Look it up for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always forget <laughs> the name. It's in my speaker. phone. But, but we have a lot of good options over there, yeah, Sam. Yeah. Uh, there's amazing options. And it's like walking distance from my house. Potrancas? Potrancas, yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's the best, but it's the closest to my house. It's walking distance. You sit in a uh, gas station parking lot, and there's a little tent. It's a lovely atmosphere. That sounds great. Yeah. We'll put it on the list. That, I... that one's in consideration for sure. All right. All right. Well, if you've got a Street Taco recommendation that can match Sam's, maybe even better, uh, we want to hear about it. Tell us about it uh, in a voicemail or a text. Our phone number is 720-500-5418. That number is 720-500-5418. But we've got to get into it today because we've got a great topic, a really interesting story that's slowly been gathering steam locally here in Denver. And then last week exploded into this big brouhaha, I guess like a new culture war thing. Anyway, it's gas stoves. That's like you're really building up here, Paul. Well, here's the thing before we get into this, like what level of stove uh, jokes are we going to make? Is this debate boiling over? Is it heating up? Are we going to go to that level of pun or are we going to leave that aside? Because I feel like that'll guide the discussion. I think it's a free for all, Sam. Hit us with your best shot. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's kick it off with, I think, the flashiest headline of the week. And this this was from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is a presumed Republican presidential candidate. He is responding to... uh, a rumored new policy coming out of the Biden administration. So we're going to play a short clip and then get into it. And I just want to you know, make it clear to everybody, you know, when we say uh, don't tread on Florida or let us alone, uh, we mean that, including on your gas stoves. You're not taking our gas stoves away from us. That is your choice. And I know many people who cook a lot do not want to part with their gas stoves. And so we're going to stand up for that. You know, they float this to try to do it, and they want to do it. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, And then you start to see the narrative kick into gear, CNN segments saying how it's causing asthma and kids and all this other stuff. And so they start... I think think that's plenty of uh, Ron DeSantis. But Sam, I I want you to give us the context here, the national debate. Are the Democrats coming for, uh, for Ron's gas stove? No, no one's going to take any stoves out of anyone's home. But what did happen is the U.S. Product Safety Commission, which is a commission that looks at all kinds of things that are sold to uh, consumers, started looking at these studies that have been going on for decades now, connecting gas stoves and a specific pollutant from gas stoves called nitrogen nitrogen dioxide, and correlating that with asthma in in pretty clear ways. There's not a clear causal connection yet. That science is still a little murky. But if you look at a population level, homes with gas stoves with high levels of nitrogen dioxide seem to have more kids with asthma in them. And we also know that nitrogen dioxide is a known lung irritant. So it seems like there's a mechanism there too. That science is still emerging, but it caused one of the commissioners on this panel to say like, hey, maybe we should start 
thinking about a ban, right? Or maybe we should start thinking about limits on these stoves. So it wouldn't be like anyone from the government would be coming to rip out your gas stove, but they might not be available at Best Buy. That would be like the end result here. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen either. Biden, Manchin, pretty much every big Democrat on the federal level has thrown water, cold water on that idea. Um, So that's not going to happen. What is happening, and this has been going on for a long time, is like blue cities, Denver, Boulder, have considered uh, hookup bans, where if you build a new building, it couldn't come with a uh, gas hookup. So it doesn't really make much sense to, to put a gas stove in there. Those don't exist in Denver and Boulder yet, but they do exist in like Berkeley and then Crested Butte was the first city. So those would be homes that don't even have access to a natural gas line. So you couldn't have a natural gas appliance of any kind, even exactly. if you wanted it. Right, right. That'd be the idea. So oh. it's a it's a subtle distinction, right? Like we'd be banning the hookups, not the stoves. But if you don't have a hookup for a gas stove, you're not going to get a gas stove. Have you guys been in a new build ever? Every new house has a giant gas stove in it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's like the... The, those like chef size yeah yeah you know what i mean like the big like six burner yeah when i was like we were looking at houses five or six years ago on the west side you'd walk into like a 50s modest 50s ranch and they'd torn out all the walls because open concepts the nightmare we're gonna live with for the next 30 years or whatever <laughs> but then there would just be this wall of appliances that was the kitchen and it would be a giant like two-door stainless steel fridge and then this massive gas stove it did not fit the context of the house whatsoever but this is like realtors like this is what people want so i'm just i would be surprised i would be very surprised how that goes Hmm. i mean i think it's changing right like there's a lot of ways to get into this but there's what consumers want and i am a convert myself right like i used to be really into gas stoves i thought they were superior i grew up with a gas stove and so i had the privilege to to buy a house uh about four or five years ago and i wanted a gas stove so i i bought one from home depot and i installed it and i thought it was great i started reading all these things about asthma about problems with indoor air pollution um and i switched to an induction stove which is different from the probably resistance coils that you're used to that, you know, glow like the hot face of the sun and will scald you at any moment. They cook with literal magnets where they create resistance in the pot itself. And that's where the heat comes from. So it's a totally different sort of electric stove. So Um, there's more options you're saying than those like crap. I grew up with the crappy coil. I learned how to cook on those things. It's like cooking on a hot plate. I hate it. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And that's a lot of this debate is like just kind of skipping over that uh, two types of electric stove technology. You got resistance. You got induction. Adduction, in my experience, in my personal experience from a $400 induction stove I, I bought on Craigslist and managed to get working in my home, it is incredible. Like I, I, I love it. And the big advantage is that it boils water so much faster than any of those two other technologies, than gas or electrical resistance. It's like magic. You have a pot of water. It's boiling in like a minute. Wow. Um, and then there's other like cool safety considerations too. Like let's say you take a, a pot off the burner, the stove turns off. And so like it's not going to stay hot right which is huge if you want to teach a kid to cook I was going to say I'm in the midst of trying to teach a toddler not to touch the stove Yeah and this is the magnets 
Well, yeah, the magnets only work if there's a pot on the stove because the, the resistance is happening in the We're pot. We're about to have a whole different kind of conversation, I thought. <laughs> tell tell minds, me about these magnets. Sam. Sam. It's amazing. It's like, I can't tell you exactly how it works. Like, it is some weird physics that thing that I don't question, understand. But, okay. but yeah, the, <laughs> but it's an option. It's an option. The, the a downside is that you do need a, a certain kind of pot. In my experience, like most pots work, a cast iron will work, but it will need to be conductive um i don't really know which pots are and aren't conductive it's kind of been a a random thing for me when i've tried them like some will work some won't work but if you go to like walmart it'll say right on the package like induction compatible oh okay but if cast iron works cast iron works in in my experience so you know it's it's a really neat technology and i think like a lot of this gas stove debate has sort of like muddled that right like i've heard other people say like you know a lot of the interfaces on induction stoves right now are a little too like digital and people don't like you know Mm. they miss the knobs that come with the gas stove and stuff like that but it's great clicking oh yeah the clicking i don't know my stoves my gas stove has gotten so hot that the uh the little little thing with the clock doesn't work anymore (laughs) yeah so i would take the yeah Sam, so you mentioned the asthma thing, but there's also like a a climate impact of of natural gas. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's what makes people like Ron DeSantis like particularly upset. Yes, I think so too. Uh, So natural gas is uh, more than 90% methane, which is a super potent greenhouse gas. Um, And it's actually, I think, 80 times more potent than carbon dioxide over a 20-year period. Over that 20 years, it slowly decomposes into carbon dioxide. But while it's in the atmosphere, it's a far more like insulating blanket on the atmosphere than plain old carbon dioxide or the other kinds of greenhouse gases. So it's a Mm -hmm. huge problem. And it's one of the things that if we tackle it really quickly, we might be able to slow climate change in the short term. So that's why it's getting a lot of attention. The issue with this is the natural gas industry is a, is a pretty big deal. And sure. that certainly applies here in Colorado. I think 70% of homes are, are heated with gas. Mm-hmm. The stove thing is sort of a proxy war for like this bigger conversation about whether or not we meet, need to move away from gas or not. Because on the consumer level, most people, other than like energy nerds like me, don't really care how their home is heated. They Just don't want really it care. to work. Yeah, if it works, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. If my bill's not too high, screw I, it. The water's yeah. hot. My, my house is warm. But they do care about the gas stove thing. So that's been the focus of a lot of environmental groups like RMI, which is a think tank here in Colorado, or at the Sierra Club. They focused on gas stoves because if you can sort of sever that consumer preference, then you can have all these other conversations about completely electrifying cities like Denver. And that's important from a climate perspective because electricity is energy agnostic. It can come from a coal plant, it can come from a gas plant, or it can come from solar and wind. So as nuclear, perhaps nuclear, sure. That's a very Paul's I didn't know you were a nuclear of bro, energy. Paul. He is a nuclear bro. I, You're gonna I'm derail this whole thing, aren't you? I mean that's another conversation for <laughs> the guy another goes to day. Rocky Flats once, look what happens. It's it's interesting. And I, I was sad that the the discussion in Pueblo got got shut down about <laughs> So another one, but yeah, go on. I, so I'm guessing, like, I have a gas stove, Sam. Does that mean, like, is that how my furnace runs too, or my, uh, I'm sorry, my water heater? Probably it might or it might not. Okay. Because um, I'm thinking about the new style water heaters that are like way more compact that are not. I'm assuming they're not. That's gas. one kind. So like, what's what's cool is that 
Denver uh, has this amazing rebate program. Like you guys have talked all about the e-bike rebates, mm-hmm. and we just came out of hot e-bike summer. The the, the <laughs> other part of that program is incentivizing different kinds of electrical heating and water heating systems. So I actually, I actually took advantage of those myself. And what they installed with those incentives were, were heat pumps, which is essentially the way your fridge works, but it's a much more efficient kind of way to move heat either into your home or out of your home. And it works for water heating too. So I actually have a tank system that runs on a water heater and I have a big old heat pump in my backyard now that, that warms and cools my home. It does both either in the winter or the summer. So as for your house, it's hard to say. Like you could still have an electric furnace, you could still have uh, an electric water, water heating heater. system, mm-hmm. but chances are in Denver and in Colorado in general, you don't. Like gas is the most common yeah. way we heat and cool our homes and, and heat and cool our water. Washer, dryer, kind of, yeah. yeah. Interesting. The heat pumping is cool. We're getting one at, uh, at our place. Yeah. Oh, are you? Our, our AC busted last summer and yeah. uh, oh, we're God, getting a heat pump installed. It's very expensive. They are expensive. The incentives are going to make a huge deal. Um, if you're getting one, you know, the the IRA, the federal legislation comes with a lot of uh, tax credits. But, you know, it advantages people who can understand complicated tax law and apply for these, you know, rebates and stuff like that. So it's making more and more sense. But I'll acknowledge straight up, like, it's complicated to figure this out and it is expensive up front for sure. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you think that's why it didn't grab the headlines the way that the e-bikes did or is it just that like stoves are not as sexy as an e-bike um i well i the the city rebates i don't think they're for stoves i don't think you can get a stove but you can get a water heater and a heat pump um i think the e-bike thing yeah it's way more accessible you see them around it kind of involves this whole conversation about driving and how we get around and not everybody owns their home so like that's fair i just thought it was cool that the city would, you know, give you 9000 bucks for a heat pump. Like, that's a huge incentive. And we were one of the first cities, or maybe the first city to do it. Hmm. Um, so to bring it back to the stoves, like, the stoves are sort of the tip of the iceberg. They're the piece, the visible piece, the controversial piece of this much larger proxy war over where we're going to get our energy mm. in the future uh, as climate change gets worse. Hmm. Tell us, tell us about where exactly Denver is at in terms of this electrification process. Because I saw in the post this week, one, a councilman, uh, Jolan Clark, who who was one of the people who spearheaded the change in the way we're doing uh, waste removal, mm-hmm. the whole recycling composting yeah. thing. He's really excited about this. And I guess he wants the city council to start talking about maybe banning gas stoves in new builds or, or something, some rule along these lines. Do you, yeah. What can you tell us about I that? I really didn't love that post headline. I think it, it took a lot of the nuance out of what's actually being debated in Denver. What's going on in Denver is that we just approved a new building code, and that building code is going to make buildings a lot more efficient, more insulated, stuff like that. What Yolan was talking about is like, hey, maybe we should also require electric heating systems and electric water heating systems. So we're not even going to ban hookups. We're certainly not going to ban gas stoves. Like there's not going to be, it's going to be legal to sell a gas stove at Home Depot, but your new build would be required to have uh, an electric heating system, maybe an electric cooking system, whatever the city decides to do. Hmm. At that point, you're probably not going to be like, I'm just going to have a second stove just because I love gas so much. <laughs> like that, that probably, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a very like 
subtle difference, right, between a, a straight-up gas stove ban or a gas hookup ban, but that's what's being debated in Denver. It already exists, actually, for large buildings, and in fact, our city has a pretty huh. remarkable program to uh, switch the biggest buildings in the city from gas to electricity and but we're talking big commercial multifamily buildings on this what would be new is a focus on single family duplexes stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah, I could see how that would be a bigger conversation. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. I feel like I've learned a lot about this. Bri, yeah. Do you have any other questions? Anything else I, you want to I mean, about? I thought you were going to set me up to be the honorary Floridian over here, loving my <laughs> gas stove. <laughs> Is I'm, that where you're at? Like, what would what would get you to well, switch? Well, I don't know. This induction stove that it's Sam's talking about, magnets. Sam's yeah. like, yeah. it might be a good compromise because, on a, I mean, I'm, I'm a cook. I like yeah. to, I'm a home cook. I cook all the meals for my family. I hate cooking on an electric stove. For sure. I would say it's not a compromise. Like it is better. Okay. Like, I'm never going back. Um, you know, just like, this is maybe a small thing, but like, have you ever tried to like cook rice on a gas stove and you try to like turn it down as far as it can go? Cause you just want it to simmer a little yes. bit and it doesn't get that low. It stays boiling. It like, stays the whole really time. hot, right? Yeah. Like you just can't get those like lower temperatures. That to me is like the big thing with the induction stuff. It boils water really quickly. And then if I want to have like really subtle levels of control, you actually can. I can actually do it, which is super nice. And I'm like kind of a forgetful guy like I'm I got a lot going on in my head and I will forget things and the fact that I don't have to worry about whether or not my stove is pumping flammable gas into my house oh my god if I leave is huge it's huge and it really like I had a roommate try to kill us once that way accidentally yeah, everybody has a story like that. running we walked in and we're like oh I mean, she I, was just wandering yeah. around. She was like, I'm going to light some candles. We were like, no. <laughs> yeah. The one other thing I would note about this, and it, I, I just think this is interesting, um, is like we can have this debate, right? Like, do you like gas stoves? Do you not? It might not matter because like the gas industry relies on big economies of scale. It needs a lot of customers to, to make it worth it, to make it worth it, mm. to have enough money to maintain its system. Um, if you know, a few people, maybe say like hardcore Democrats decide, you know, I'm going to move on from gas. That is it. Like, that's the end of the story. And the other thing that's interesting is like, wait, 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 how would that work? Why, why just because it wouldn't be profitable for the gas company? I don't understand. How sure. So like a few people can make think that about, big think about like the gas network is this huge network, right? And it has pipelines running all over the city. Mm-hmm. That all needs to be maintained. Mm-hmm. If people start saying like, you know what? I, I don't need, I don't need gas anymore. I'm going to cut myself off from this system. Part of what you pay on your gas bill isn't just the, the raw like energy, like the commodity price for that energy. It's also a, a base level uh, amount mm-hmm. that helps Excel or Atmos or whatever the gas company is maintain the whole system. So if people start being like, you know, screw it, I'm done, they lose that base, that customer base that lets them maintain this larger system. And you just need to like prune some of those branches apparently before it becomes just like not profitable. Interesting. Yeah. So there is that level where like for the gas industry, they're terrified about this. And in Colorado, they've even started a a trade group called Coloradans for Energy Access that's just trying to fight forced electrification. Um, and the reason is because they know that it could... It's their it business. Could, it could be the end. Um, sure. And for climate groups, that's great. 
that's exactly what they want to see um with you know considering that like we don't want it to collapse and like nobody to get gas like it should be a, a smart transition that doesn't hurt the poorest people but yeah, yeah. they want the gas <laughs> the gas companies to go away or change their business huh yeah well that sounds like that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch in the next few years like how many people are going to adopt this new technology anyway we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with something else <laughs> You don't like that? Something we'll be else. back with I, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And we're back for our second topic today. We have to talk about Jared. Governor Jared Polis gave his annual State of the State speech this week. He was talking up his accomplishments, laying out his priorities for the upcoming year. Those include affordable, denser housing in cities, which is super interesting. We will talk about that at some point, have a serious conversation. He cares about affordability, public safety, water, a bunch of other stuff. It was a long speech. But our governor is a gigantic nerd who loves mm -hmm. pop culture, and he peppered his speech as he does every year with pop culture references. So I thought we might play a little game. Okay. <laughs> what is Jared into now? What does he like? What kind of pop culture stuff is Jared into? Uh -huh. I, have, um, I don't know any of this either, Sam. Just so okay. you know, I'm going in totally not knowing. Yeah, I'm not. I have not prepped. Yeah, that, that I was given explicit either. direction. But I am curious, like, what sort of nerd culture he's keyed in on. Yeah. yeah. That's, I've, I have I've, some guesses. What yeah. can guesses. we learn about him through these references? Okay, so I'm going to read you some quotes. Um, most are from this year's State of the Speech, but there's some others as well. Um, and then I want you two to tell me if that's something he actually said out loud in public or mm. if Jared ain't into it. If you made it up. If, <laughs> if I made it up, yeah. Oh, if you personally if made I, yeah. it. Okay, yes. cool. Okay, so our first quote. <clears throat> I am recommitting myself and my administration to bold ideas that move Colorado forward, to take on our greatest challenges with determination, like Gandalf the Grey from The Lord of the Rings, who fought the Balrog through Moria's underworld, helping Frodo escape and then return as Gandalf the White to help defeat Sauron's army, okay. and gave Frodo the chance to destroy the ring. This sounds like a Paul. I mean, no, I think this is him. <laughs> I mean, he's going to go that deep. The bold it's quite ideas. A lot. Yeah. This is like explaining a Seinfeld episode in a. I like, know. That's so it's much. just such a summary. I mean, it's exhausting, right? Like, <laughs> let's be honest. It's this just is exhausting. Not a, this is not and my I think it is. So. I, I do think it's Jared, and I think it's exhausting. Like,. <laughs> I love this about Jared. I, I have the opposite <laughs> opinion. I think it's so endearing that really? he not only references this stuff, but gives us like okay. four lines. I just want to so know. I want to know, like, you know, what speechwriter was in there with the governor being like, you know, boss, like maybe we could cut like half of this. Tone and it down. Be like, no, no, we got to summarize the whole trilogy. That is a specialty in a speechwriter, though. <laughs> so right. I, I, I thought it wasn't him, but Sam is saying this sounds like him. This right. sounds to me like like him all right let's see let's see the answer or like Gandalf the gray from the lord of the rings who 
fought the Balrog through Moria's underworld, helping Frodo escape, and then returned as Gandalf the White to help defeat Sauron's army and give Frodo the chance to destroy the ring. It's just the most tiresome way to be charming. I'm sorry. But Thank like, you, Sam. It's too much. Yeah. It's not relatable enough to like, if you don't know what in the hell he's talking about, which I do not. I like Lord of the Rings. I know. Like, that's what I'm I, it's, I like it's not it. even grabbing you. Yeah. All right, you two. Let's move on to the next one. All right, all right. Let's see if he can win you over. Uh, Okay, so, quote, Just as the future of our state is tied to housing, it's also tied to water. Water is life in Colorado and the West. You see, Colorado is not unlike the desert planet of Arrakis from Frank Herbert's Dune. (laughs) And as Herbert wrote, quote, My climate demands a special attitude towards water. You are aware of water at all times. You waste nothing that contains moisture. Are you Jared's speechwriter, Paul? Because <laughs> I'm really a having one. a hard this time. This is a tough one. I mean, is Jared into Dune? Jared could be into Dune. Like, Dune is popular among kind of that, like, tech elite, mm-hmm. right? And Paul. Yeah. And Paul, though. Like and it. the Pauls of the oh, world. Oh, man. Yeah. I think. I am so I don't. I don't I think no so. I don't think that's him. I think he's probably read Dune, and I think he likes Dune, but I think it's just a little too obscure. To work in a, st- in a in state, a state of, the of the state, state. yeah. Bree, what do you think? Is Jared into Dune? I have no idea. <laughs> All right. All of that was just gobbledygook to me. I don't. You're not into Dune? No. Oh. God, no. I don't like anything that doesn't exist in the real world. Oh, my God. Well, that's a weird opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My entertainment is just reality-based. All right. Is Jared into Dune? The answer is he is not. <laughs> okay. He is not. We have not had a Dune reference from Jared. Um, next one. Quote, together we will continue working to make our communities safer for everyone. And four years from now, we'll all have something to celebrate in being one of the safest states in the country. James Baldwin said, Oh, good Lord. There is never time in the future in which we will work out our salvation. The challenge is in the moment. The time is always now. Oh, I hope he didn't quote James Baldwin. Oh, that's Baldwin on public safety. Feels rough and... Oh boy! Man, this is a tricky one because you're saying something about Polis. Either way you go, would he would he be this audacious to quote James Baldwin? I I, I think he probably know. did it. I mean, Baldwin's Ugh. like kind of in, you know. Baldwin's very in. He's very in for white people. He's been in for everybody else for a long time. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I think he said it. Pretty? I hope he did not. Let's hear it. James, James Baldwin said, there is never time in the future in which we will work out our salvation. The challenge is in the moment. The time is always now. He did. He did say it. Polis is into James Baldwin. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making that big sigh because we shouldn't all be reading James Baldwin. I just feel it feels, that feels weird to me. Hmm. Okay. All right, well, let's move on. (laughs) Our next one is, uh, quote, We should be proud that 95% of the bills I signed into law last year were passed with Republican and Democratic votes. Because the notion that we're all in this together is a much better approach to solving problems than trying to go it alone. Could Harry Potter have defeated the Dark Lord Voldemort without his friends? Even some he disagreed with, like Potions Master Severus Snape? No. They overcame their differences to overcome great obstacles together. So he's, he's calling Republican Snape is what I'm getting. 
out of that. Perhaps. Perhaps he is. Uh, who was man. maybe a hero of the series, you know, for those who... Yeah, uh, exactly. No, it'd be that'd be on brand. I don't think he said it, though. That's just... Harry Potter doesn't seem fun enough? Or the right polis kind of, you know, nerd culture thing that is sort of on the line this between... This is like... Is Polis into HP? I don't know. This is like if, like, okay, if you were, like, quoting him and he was, like, talking about Steve Albini's production style on Nirvana's In Utero, I might have an answer for you, but I literally <laughs> had, no, I know nothing about Harry Potter other than our dear on leave Peyton has a Harry Potter tattoo and she is the only person that ever can explain Harry Potter stuff to me. I have no idea. I don't know. I can't tell. Well, the answer is... Polisane in HP. Wow. Is it too is it too basic for him? Is it too right? That's I what know. I was getting at. I, I like it like might it, be too basic, right? But it also feels like more relatable to a larger population, especially of younger people. Right. You know, Harry mm-hmm. Potter's like the, the millennial, Thing. you know, marker of right culture for a certain. People. It's not even nerd culture. I feel mm-hmm. like though, it's not. It's not nerd so culture. It's too mainstream. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I just, but it's a very specific but large swath of folks that. Yeah. Yeah. But convincingly written, Paul. Like, impressed. Thank you. Like, I really struggled with that one. Are you a Harry Potter person, Paul? Yeah, I read them. Okay. I have conflicted feelings about it. I, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Um, anyway, let's move on. Quote, but we don't want the innovation to end at graduation. He's talking about schools. Um, we want to create more training pathways for Coloradans of all ages to shape their own success. Luke Skywalker wasn't born knowing the ways of the Force. He was trained under the guidance of Jedi Master Yoda. Two available jobs for every unemployed Coloradan we have. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I want to say that he did say this because I'm not cheating, but I'm also not trying to talk about Twitter. But I'm pretty sure Megan Verlee at CPR quoted, or she said, I didn't expect the governor to make a Yoda Coda reference. So I would say yes, he did say that. I mean, that that. seems pretty convincing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he definitely probably said that, right? He definitely said that. But the question maybe is how? Let's hear it. Oh, did he do a Yoda impression? Luke Skywalker wasn't born knowing the ways of the Force. He was trained under the guidance of Jedi Master Yoda. Two available jobs for every unemployed Coloradan we have. No. That's right. We have two available jobs for every unemployed person in our state, as Yoda says. <laughs> wow, there's a lot. He's I'm, he does this all the time. I'm perplexed by like how much of the population is not connecting with any of the things that he's saying. I can't be the only person. I can't be the only type of person that doesn't know anything about any of these things, right? Mm, I don't know. I mean, this stuff's pretty popular. Yeah, I think this stuff is really popular. That it's enough, it's reaching... Okay. Maybe. I mean, I'm not denying any of these uh, as huge cultural phenomenons. I just... I don't know. If he was up there talking about the I think, well, I mean, what's going on here? And, like, we saw Hickenlooper do this, too. Like, nerd dad works for politicians. Like, that persona works. Yeah, it's like this mix of, like, Colorado dad, like, kind of derpy, but, like, cool. Right, right. We know what they dress like because Hickenlooper really set a precedent for it. Mm-hmm. But like, you're right in that like, it's almost like a very easy sell for people that a lot of folks who vote and are like, that looks like my kind of guy. Right. I know that guy. Sure. I yeah. know that guy. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. All right. Last one. 
Quote, Today our administration is standing on the threshold between the last four years and four years to come. I have a bit less hair than four years ago, but hopefully more <laughs> wisdom and experience. We've gone through a lot these last four years, Colorado. COVID-19, shootings, devastating wildfires, record inflation, spiraling hate speech. We had a giant purple alien monster named Thanos snap half our people out of existence. But Coloradans should know that no matter what comes our way, I'll continue to fight every day to protect our state. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't say this. If he had, if he had like related the Marshall Fire and that a, one's a little harsh. A shooting at a gay nightclub to a Marvel movie, people would have been a little upset. I feel like I would have heard about it. So I think this is pure, pure Paul. I'm I'm really leaning into trusting Sam. In I think Sam's got to be on this. It, again, it means nothing to me. I don't know what he's saying. Well, Sam, you're exactly right. <laughs> JP did not say that. Good. He ain't into Marvel. He's not referenced Marvel. We lo- we looked for references. I haven't seen one of those. I don't know if he's into he's the, not the in MCU. The Mar- he's not in the Marvel universe. Yeah. I mean, good. Sorry, but good. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right, well, that's that's our look at Jared Polis' State of the State this year. We're going to be back with one more segment before we say goodbye. All right, and we're back. It's time for the official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there, because as usual, there are so many cool things happening in Denver this weekend, and we have opinions. Adrian Gonzalez wraps up his best bets in our newsletter, Hey Denver, every week, and he's here to give us his top picks Adrian, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going now? Hi. What do you got for us today, Adrian? I've got four really fun events lined up for us this weekend. Uh, First up, we have the 41st Annual Colorado Indian Market and Southwest Art Fest. Uh, So if you've been around the stock show and you've seen all the jewelry and you're like, I want to be a character on Yellowstone, (laughs) this is your chance to get some of those goodies from uh, from actual Native American artists. There's uh, Hmm. this, This one's actually going on today. Tomorrow and through Sunday, it's at the Colorado Convention Center. Tickets are 15 bucks. Uh, if you have a kid under 12, they they get in for free. Oh, cool! Uh, so there's live entertainment, marketplace, a lot of art to to look at and buy. That sounds lovely. One. Yeah, it could be fun. Yeah. 15 bucks? That's not bad. No. Yeah, it's a good one to just go downtown. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, you'd have to go downtown. Out. Yeah. Just note. <laughs> All right, Adrian. <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> Um, well, you guys spent some time with some goats earlier this uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we met, met some goats. We met Lilo and Stitch. They were competing. They were market goats. Oh, are, are they sock showed goats? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I was so wondering about the context anymore, of these goats. Cool. Yeah, no, Paul and I were not Adrian. just hanging out with yeah. goats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lilo and Stitch are not involved in these, uh, unfortunately, but I've got something called Goat Flicks and Chill. <laughs> <laughs> so like Netflix and chill, but goats? Precisely. You're yeah. on it. You're on it. So this is a live movie screening of the movie Jumanji, but with goats. Okay. Yeah. I know. I, it's, I it's, love the trend okay. of adding goats to different kinds of things. Like goat yoga. That, that name needs some serious workshopping. I know. I'm also because like, do we know Netflix what the, and it, chill is, what is a sex it thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and you don't, like, I don't know what you're doing with those goats. What but. are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come, come on, you're hanging out with goats. People get it. You're hey, yeah, watching I a think nice movie. I'm commenting on the event. Just the name needs like you can't make a, a serious a, revisions. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. It All sounds right. fun, but <laughs> goats and like, flicks or something take else. Take your goat little... to the movies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it is it Robin Williams Jumanji or uh, The Rock Jumanji? Robin Williams, a classic Jumanji. Okay. Oh, uh, tickets two. are 18 bucks. There, I think there's uh, a one with The Rock. Maybe it's a Jack Black thing. 
No, it is. No, it is. I think as a couple years ago. Yeah. Mr. Dwayne. Why would you remake anything that Robin Williams has done? That makes no sense. That's a great question. Anyway, where is this? (laughs) This is at at the shops at Northfield. Oh, okay. Uh, All ages are welcome, so probably no funny business uh, unless they have a row reserved for that. But they're eighteen dollars (laughs) per ticket. You literally come in, you get escorted to your seat, you get to pick your goat. and I can't imagine how that goes because goats are not really peaceful animals. They're not fun to just sit and chill. I know. I was also yeah. just thinking like my kid would just be pulling on this goat the whole time. Like, I don't know. So uh, just come for the entertainment maybe. Okay. Hmm. Some good goat fights. All right. Okay. What, what, what's the next one, Adrian? All right. We're going to keep it weird with this one. The Psychedelic Club of Denver is throwing a, um, what, are, what they're calling a mindful marketplace and a psychedelic bash. Okay. Hmm. All right. The marketplace is a lot of fun. It starts at 10 a.m. and it goes through 5 p.m. Same similar thing. You can go through and, and get your um, paraphernalia, I suppose. Very mushroom, weed-centric goodies. So it's like vendors selling like weed or mushroom-themed merch? What kind of Yes, things? and there's, there's some activations. So they have something called uh, Let's Talk About Drugs, which I really love. This, here's two things that I, I really enjoy about this is they have a harm reduction workshop during this, this event. And during the huh. bash, which is a whole kind of live music party event uh, from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., they have a harm reduction professional in-house that's able to talk to folks, uh, if you're, obviously, if you're having an emergency. So um, I feel like they put some good thought into this, into having the environment... And, but you're not going to, they can't, obviously can't be selling. No, it actually says that they have to put it in here. It says the psychedelic there. club does not condemn nor condone the sale uh, or sourcing of any illicit substances yeah. at our shows, uh, I, aka bring your own. I'm imagining like trippy art, yeah, weed paraphernalia, like Tarant- headshots. A lot of tie dye stuff. Yeah. Style, okay. Yeah. This is interesting to me. This is like. Well, Paul, you're like, wearing a tie dye shirt right now that says Ithaca is gorgeous. I think you could wander into the psychedelic party and I fit would fit right, right in. in, yeah, today. I mean, I. I is this like the kind of would you do mushrooms and go to this? I think they is would, that something like a recreational thing for some people? You, you that is up to you. It sounds like the evening part of it. You could, <laughs> but maybe it's like meeting the community around sort of psychedelics and like he said the hard reduction stuff, like how to deal with someone who's maybe having a bad trip or like Great. you know how Which they're utilizing good, good those info. substances. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I don't yeah. know. It sounds like you could be tripping but i don't know if it's like designed as an experience it's not that like would be my guess <laughs> yeah right I this whole like decriminalize psychedelics thing the, and the way that's going to affect our culture and like what kinds of ways people yeah, bring it into right? our like, lives like, and how it's commodified right yeah, yeah. like it's it's complicated right I'm yeah yeah it seems to me like something thing. because of decriminalization of, of some of these substances uh, yeah. they're they're cashing in and, and trying to figure out a, a fun way to do it uh, Someone responsible. It's like but. part of the normalization of like teaching people about what psychedelics are. If you're like don't know anything about it at all, would yeah. be my guess. Yeah. The well, amount of conversations I've had about mushrooms lately, uh, <laughs> like I think decriminalizing has created that openness where everyone is thinking maybe I'll try it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll try Definitely. it and go see a goat show and watch a movie. Um, all right, Adrian. We have. Uh, do we have a fourth one? We have a fourth one. The last one is uh, we're actually a great way to kick off the Lunar New Year. Oh, yeah. So the Far East Center is oh, having a whole so festival. Fun. There's some lion dances. Every business around there is, is involved. There's actually some dancing going on just across Federal. Workshops, fun activities. This is a great one. Uh, if you know the Far East Center, I know both of you live nearby there. 
Uh, it's a great way to kick off the Lunar New Year. Oh, it's so fun. I went last year. It's a, Honestly, it's a great family-friendly event. We, we toted our, our, a friend of ours toted our kids in a wagon over there. The dancing, there's food. Um, and it's also cool because the Far East Center, if you've never been there, it's, it's like a giant sort of outdoor, it's a two-story strip mall, basically. But it's kind of like you're off federal. So you're not like in the mix with cars and stuff. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, that's my that's my pick. Personally. Sounds cool. I've never been. I've wanted oh, to go. Oh, it's so fun. I think that might go. be the one. Do they, I mean, can you, are they, like, that's a parking lot most of the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Are so there still cars around? Not really. They've kind of shut it off so that there's, like, places, there's, like, stages. And you can go still go into, like, um, Viet's or, like, mm, Saigon Bowl and stuff yeah. if you want to eat. But I think they cool. might, they do, like... I don't know if they do the fighting contest at that one. They do that at the Sun Valley Night Market too. But um, yeah, it's it's super. It's so fun. It's a great way to do a Lunar New Year celebration. If you've never done it before, it's like a great introduction to it. Hmm. I could be I could be game for that one. That could be the I, one. Yeah, I think I, that's probably the one I'm most likely to go to. But the Indian market and the psychedelic market also sound pretty cool. <laughs> Both of them up and then yeah. wander over. Yeah, dressed all right. in all your yeah, like crazy <laughs> Tie that shirt in a cowboy Just hat. Make it a day. Tie that shirt in a Pendleton. <laughs> that's, that's Colorado, baby. Um, all right. Well, I think Lunar New Year then, right? Sure. I okay. Think so. I love it. Feel very good. I, about it's that. a guaranteed. I'm excited banger, about this. One. I think. And there you have it. The official CityCast Denver, maybe for your weekend. But there's way more where that came from. Adrian's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to six six eight six six. Adrian, Bree, Sam, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thank you Paul. all. That's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Aaron O'Toole. Adrian Gonzalez writes our morning newsletter. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mochachetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter, at CityCastDenver, and tell Jared Polis's speechwriter about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. Uh, In addition to bringing joy to billions of people, the Star Wars franchise also offers some relevant and compelling life advice that we can all draw from. The first one, wear a mask whenever you go out. You know, whether you're on a mission to crush the Rebel Alliance or whether you're just on a mission to the grocery store, wear a mask or facial covering in public to prevent the spread of coronavirus. Darth Vader would be very safe right now despite his pre-existing respiratory condition. And keep your distance from others to at least one lightsaber's length away. It's a good way to keep from getting your hand chopped off and contracting coronavirus.